from the Strike and Spare Family Fun Center Studio. It's the Bill King Show. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Go get it, dog. I'm a man. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. I is sitting on a firecracker. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. It's a fantastic day for the United States of America. It's the Bill King Show. Call or text now. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Call us or send us a text on the WNSR text line. 615-844-5600. 615-844-5600. Call or text. Same number. Red 7. I don't know what Red 7 means. Brought to you by Omni Nashville Hotel. Fifth Avenue, downtown. Hot Rock. That's what we call a sack lunch. I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Wednesday, Blake, a million things to get to. We'll probably leave some stuff on the cutting room floor. What's the latest at quarterback, Bryce Underwood, transfer portal, what have you? Yeah, Bill. Um, so Bryce Underwood will be making his decision on January the 6th. Um, looks pretty good here for LSU, Bill. And look, uh, I mean, this class for Brian Kelly in 2024 might not have the, the star rating. Uh, but what they've done since they've been here is always point to this 2025 class. So I feel pretty decent on uh, – I've already put my pick in, Bill, on our website for Bryce Underwood um, to LSU uh, unless something crazy cha- changes. But, Bill, number one running back in the country from Louisiana, Harlem Barry, is also to make his decision soon. And we did the commitment uh, a live video for five-star – wide receiver, number two wide receiver in 2025 class to Corian Moore. And, Bill, they just got uh, Dylan Moses' little brother, Keelan Moses, just committed to LSU for that 2025 class. So, Bill, this, uh, again, they have targeted this class as being the cornerstone of the Brian Kelly era. Uh, Bill, they are on pace, all right, if they get number one, the number one quarterback, number one wide receiver, number one running back in the country, along with the defensive pieces that they're going to be adding on with and, and getting the kids that are in state, Bill, they could have a top three, top two class. Uh, that's where we currently sit in 2025. They're, you know, they'll do some different things in 2024 uh, in reference to going into the portal, but that 2025 class, Bill, is going to start stacking up uh, very quickly uh, with some very big key names in there. What's most important for LSU here in the portal? Defensive line corner, um, they got to go get defensive linemen in the interior. Bill, I, I, this is not a Brian Kelly issue as much as it was uh, Ed Orsron uh, leaving that those two areas dormant. Um, they got 
deal. They, they keep going in the portal for corner, but they don't have a choice. And I think they go get a safety. Uh, Texas A&M safety Jordan Gilbert, uh, Bill, has entered the portal. I would not be shocked uh, if, you know, if he goes to LSU. I, I just wouldn't be shocked. There's a lot of kids from Louisiana that Orsron misevaluated and missed on. The Bill that we've played against that have kicked our rear ends. I mean, that's just the God's honest truth. So now that some of these kids are in the portal, do not be shocked if you see them going or uh, coming back to LSU. And, Bill, ironically, one of those kids are, guess where, corner, safety, defensive linemen. So that's where they're going to attack. Is LSU involved with Walter Nolan? Yeah, I think everybody it will, will be. You know, I, I haven't formally been told completely that they will be, but I think that they'll try to kick the door down or try to kick the door down to get to him. Uh, but, Bill, right now I have not heard uh, of them being in a heavy mix for Walter Nolan, though. Will they stay pat with their roster at quarterback and just elevate Nussmeyer, or will they go get a dude? Well, Bill, I, look, I, not just LSU, but I talked to another SEC coach um, this week uh, who's making a change himself, staying in the SEC, though. Uh, Bill, after what happened to Jordan Travis, I think a lot of teams, even if they have a starter, are going to go get a quarterback in the portal. Um, yeah, Bill, they're going to they're going to go get a quarterback in the portal because Ricky Collins, the freshman, Bill, I think he's uberly talented. Like when it comes to just pure God-given talent, the kid's really good, but he's not ready. Um, with that being said, I don't think that they go get a guy, Bill, that will replace Garrett Nussmeyer. But MJ Morris, the kid from North Carolina State, um, they was the day that he hit the portal, Bill, they were contacting him. They were on him. So which means to tell me, and they've called other quarterbacks that are in the portal, just means to tell me that they are after that position to get a backup for Nussmeyer. Bill, I'd be shocked if they go and get – or try to get in the mix for a guy that will come in here and be a starter. So yeah, they're gonna they will get a guy that you feel like absolutely not is just an insurance policy, but can come take that job for a year. Yeah, I think that, that that's what they're gonna do. I think MJ Morris makes a lot of sense, uh, but Bill, I, I it's just gonna be a depth piece. Maybe somebody that can push. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer a little bit, but not Bill Bill. He's, he's going to be our starter. And, look, I, I mean, if you're Walker Howard, who is the backup at Ole Miss, the, the former five-star, I mean, Jackson Dart's coming back to Ole Miss. So he should have stayed, but now LSU's got to pivot and go get a backup. Because, Bill, look, you're a rolled ankle away from Garrett Nussmeyer being in a situation where Look, this offense, Bill, is not – look, it's going to slow down. Jane Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner, Bill, I'm going to call him the Heisman Trophy winner until he loses the thing. He's not going to lose it. But you got to replace arguably the second-best player in LSU football's history. Right? I mean, it's going to take a step back. But in reference to the talent that they have around that uh, – just overall offensively, Bill, they're, it's just they're just reloading. One thing Brian Kelly, you've got to give him credit for uh, since he's been at LSU, Bill, technically being his actual, technically third class, they have stacked serious talent on the offense. Now they got to go get defensive players. they got dudes all over the place. And, Bill, here's the crazy thing. 
they're bringing back pretty – if I'm not mistaken, I'd be shocked. I think they're going to bring back four offensive linemen. Two of those guys are all SEC performers. So, with that being said, I, I think that they have a, a foundation, Bill, of where they're going to lay this foundation down. Um, and it's going to be along the offensive line. But they got receivers, Bill, that, I mean, come on. Look at what Malik Neighbors has done. Bill, he was a three-star kid that was committed to Mississippi State before he flipped. So, with all of that being said, I think that they'll be fine there. They just got they got to continue to build. Uh, running back is another position I think is really good. Um, but they just got to build on defense, Bill. They're, they're, they're I don't want to say they're vastly behind, but they're behind the eight ball when it comes to personnel, in my opinion, on the defensive side of things. Is the defensive coordinator safe? No. <laughs> he, he is not. Brian Kelly said yesterday, uh, I mean, he didn't say, Bill, he, Brian Kelly did not say, I'm making defensive staff changes. He said everything but that, though. Um, D.C. Madhouse is not safe. I would not be surprised if Bob Diaco, the former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, does not get a strong look. He was an outside linebacker's coach. And, Bill, they're going to kick the tires on other D.C.s. So, um, no, I would not be shocked if um, – I, I think, Bill, they go through this recruiting class. They might even go to the bowl game. They might even get there and go past there uh, before real changes are made. But changes are going to be made. Will LSU or has LSU lost anybody in the portal that would hurt them? Not yet. And I don't think that I don't know if they will, Bill, to be honest with you. There may be one that slips out that they want they wanted to keep. Uh, but Bill, right now, I, I mean look, Brian Kelly has made it very clear retention is key and that is his number one goal. Um there's gonna be more guys from LSU Bill that hit the portal. Not that's going to change a whole lot of things. You know, not – I don't want to say third-string guys, Bill, but, I mean, some of these third-string guys are going to get out of it and try to go play somewhere else. But other than that, they're expecting – you know, they're not expecting anybody to leave. And not. And nor, Bill, have I heard, you know, from either guys that we do NIL deals with or, or anything. I mean, Bill, they, nobody is expecting uh, players to hit the portal. Now – does that mean that it won't happen? You know, build it. You know, with the portal, it can change so quickly. So I'm not saying it can happen, but at you know, at 7:15 in the morning on this Wednesday, it does not look like that's going to happen. Defensive line and the secondary, the most pressing, correct? Correct, Bill. If they don't change that, I, I mean, look, Bill. You and I both know they should probably be they should probably play Georgia last week if they had those two positions, right? I, I mean, like, come on. I, I mean, Jane Daniels pieced up Alabama. He barely had three hundred yards and a half. I'm not saying the defense and the defensive staff. You know, I, at worst, Bill, they're going to have they'd have a ten wins in a regular season. Sure, I'll give the Florida State loss and I'll give an Alabama loss, but there's no reason you should have lost to Ole Miss. Zero. And look, I'm not going to hold any. I'm not going to hold any punches. They need to go look at Pete Golding. Pete Golding comes in this state since he was at Bama, and now at Ole Miss, he's going to recruit this state at a high level. Okay, and you got to, and he's going to call good defenses. 
Bill, he was a guy that was at Southeast from Louisiana calling plays when I was there, okay, or the year after. Uh, all right, so, look, you can say whatever you want about Pete Golden if you're a Bama fan. Well, you're going to have to explain to me how Ole Miss went from 112th defensively, Bill, to a top 50 defense in the country. All right? It's because when you get dudes in there that can call plays, get personnel, things change. So, yeah, I'd make, I'd kick the tires on him and say, look, man, we'll make you one of the highest-paid DCs in the country because Bill Hill come in here and recruit. But LSU should be competing for a national title or be in the mix of things, Bill. I know that. You know that. My meemaw knows that. Everybody knows that. You had the best player in the country who's going to win the Heisman on Saturday that did things that nobody did here, not even Burrow, okay? So, yeah, you, I, I, you know, you can be a little aggravated with it if you're an LSU fan. But you did not have the depth on the defense and defensive line and corner, mainly because Orgeron refused to, at the end, take care of the, both of those position groups. Where does Daniels go in the draft, Blake? Got about 10 seconds. Top, top 20? Uh, I, right now, he's projected top 10. Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense. Wow. Blake, we'll see you next week, sir. Thanks, Go Go Tigers. Next up, Mr. Johnny Crawford, longtime SEC official. Any questions for Johnny Poston? Good morning. They're trying to clean up an accident right now. It's going to be on 24 eastbound, right before you get to the Jolton exit, aggravating that traffic coming through Robertson County, uh, coming in from Clarksville as well. They're in the Jolton area on 24 eastbound before Whites Creek Pike. Heavy traffic continues to flow uh, coming in from Rutherford County now on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area there at Bell Road. Heavy traffic also in from Mount Juliet, Wilson County through Hermitage on 40 westbound at Central Pike. Be careful through there. Hey, don't miss it this holiday season. Enchanted Garden of Lights at Rock City in Chattanooga. It's worth the drive. Check it out at crockcity.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Hmm, this is something I wish I'd known. Many people who live in Tennessee are eligible for help paying for healthy food for pregnant and new moms, their babies, and young children, but don't realize it. Family income can be higher than you think. There's a website called TennesseeMeals.com for more information. Assistance for healthy food for expectant moms and young children. This information I need to share. TennesseeMeals.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Justice Center, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters. And Located at 5410 Murfreesboro Road in the heart of Laverne, City Slickers is one-stop shopping for all your liquor, beer, and wine needs and has been a multiple winner annually in the best of Rutherford County voting for best liquor store and top wine shop. Featuring the lowest prices, the best customer service with unsurpassed knowledge, City Slickers offers the largest craft beer selection in Rutherford and Southeastern 
Western Davidson counties and has beer on tap at its growler filling station. City Slickers also sells mixers, sodas, snacks, tobacco products, and the Tennessee Lottery and can place special orders and assist with all your events and even wedding planning. Make sure you follow City Slickers on all their social media or just give them a call at 615-280-7469. That's 615-280-7469. Located in the heart of Laverne, City Slickers. Tease the season at Edwin Watts Golf Shops by Worldwide Golf for holiday specials this year. Featuring the Callaway Paradigm Woods, forged carbon for unparalleled distance and forgiveness. Now up to $100 off. And from Bushnell, the new Tour V6 Series Laser Rangefinders provide you the most accurate distances in golf. There's always gift cards in any amount for the special golfer you're shopping for. Edwin Watts Golf Shops is home with a 90-day satisfaction guarantee. Shop us in store or online at WorldWideGolf.com. This is the Grant Fogue and John Burton Show. Surprise, and I think Kevin Byard gets it. Producer and Debbie is the, not happy. The, well, she shouldn't be when they ran off Jeff Fisher. That No one was happy about that because everybody loved him. It, it was all business. He's due $14 million next year, okay? Not going to be on the roster next year. Get something for him. Grant Fogue and News Channel 5's John Burton. WNSR. Nashville Sports Radio. Call or text the best college football radio show in the history of humankind. 615-844-5600. The Bill King Show. Johnny Crawford on Wednesday's last show of the football season for Johnny. Absolutely welcome back next year once we get into the playing portion of the season. Explain to everybody, Johnny, the selection process when it comes to officiating for the Bulls. Uh, I think some of us wish we knew what it was. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I, 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 obviously, I didn't officiate this year. This Last year was my last year, but right. it, it's, it's just up to the – supervisor of officials in every conference i know in the sec the supervisor of officials he picks the crews for each bowl game the sec has obviously the sec championship game then they got five bowl games this year and he picks the guys that it's not by crews now some some of the crews that do go out might have a couple of guys that happen to be on the same crew during the year but yeah it's just picked by individuals and people he, he wants to go out during the postseason basically and is it bowls that are affiliated with leagues, or how does that work? Yeah, well, SEC will not have any bowl game that has an SEC team in it, and that works like that throughout the country. Uh, so we'd never be able to call the Sugar Bowl because I think the SEC is tied to the Sugar Bowl. So, yeah, but, yeah, uh, we got five bowl games this year. I don't remember them off the top of my head, right. but none of them would have SEC teams playing in those games. Question from Tom in Myrtle Beach. Ask Johnny, could they or can they work multiple bowl games? 
Yeah, there's not any rule against that. I know we had a uh, – it usually doesn't happen. I know the supervisor in the SEC now, uh, if you get the SEC championship game, he still might send you out during the postseason for a bowl game. I think two of the alternates, both of the alternates in the SEC championship game this past Saturday, I think they received a bowl game also. So, yeah, it, it can happen. Uh, that's just, again, something up to each individual supervisor of each individual conference. Did you see anything in the Alabama-Georgia game or the other games, for that matter, officiating-wise that stood out to you? Well, obviously the big talk here, I'm in Georgia, uh, the big talk here is the play that uh, fourth down for Alabama, the, the, the pass and the catch, no catch, so to speak. Right. Uh, personally, in my opinion, now, now, now in college, every play is looked at. But personally, in my opinion, I think they should have stopped that play and looked at it. And I think that would have uh, possibly been ruled an incomplete pass. The ball can touch the ground, which that ball did touch the ground, but it can't move once it touches the ground. And I think that ball moved. So I think that probably should have been ruled an incomplete pass. Now, here, here are three things Georgia could have also done. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> they could have they could have called a timeout, just a regular timeout, and that would have forced the replay people to kind of look at it more during that timeout. They could have challenged that play, which means you you're using your challenge. If you win that challenge, you keep your challenge and you keep your timeout. But if you lose it, then you lose your challenge and you lose a timeout. And the third thing they could have done, which I don't advocate for this by any means, is you know. Uh, they could have had an injured player on that uh, after that play, so to speak. I think you know where I'm going there. A lot of a lot of teams do that. If they had an injured player after that play, you know they'd have, they'd have had all that time for uh, the replay again to keep looking at it and possibly uh, stop it and, and, and make an official uh, review on it. You being a line judge all those years. Did you personally have a philosophy about how coaches should handle timeouts? For example, should you go into the half with timeouts that you can't carry over, and should you have timeouts left at the end of a game? What was your theory on that? Well, obviously, that just depends on the the score of the game. Uh, There's no need in calling a timeout if uh, you're up or down by a lot of points at either half, unless there's just somebody you want to get in the game or a particular situation you want to work on or a particular play you might want to run just so a team you're playing in the future might have something else to think about when they're scouting you. Yeah, I mean, I I know that saying, you know, you can't take them with you, but there again – if you don't need them, I don't know why you would call them. What was, in your recollection, let's say late in a game, teams up big and the winning head coach calls the timeout and it's it gets the other coach mad? Did you run into that much? Not necessarily calling the timeout, but what you don't like as an official. Okay, let's say the team that has the ball, they're, they're winning by a lot and they're in that victory formation. But when the quarterback receives the snap, he should really just immediately go down on his knee. A lot of times they'll receive the snap and try to run off four or five more seconds and then go down. And that's when a lot of stuff can happen. I remember telling uh, I had a situation with North Carolina and I told Coach Brown. They were doing the same thing. I told them after our first play, I said, tell your quarterback to go down on the knee immediately. He said, why? 
I said, because that's when a bunch of just junk, crazy stuff can happen. Well, the very next play, he doesn't go down immediately, and the team, you know, comes in and tries to drill him. And I turn around and I said, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And then, and then as an official, you know, we got to sort all that stuff out. Well, all you're trying to do is you might be up by 30 points and you're trying to run off another three or four seconds. The, clock, the clock's going to basically run out. Just tell the quarterback to go down immediately. Was that Drake May? I honestly don't remember who it was. Uh, it's about three or four years ago. I think it was the first game of the season. They might have been playing South Carolina, you know, in that game at Charlotte. That was Sam Howell, I think. Probably. That probably was, yeah. Noel Kev up in Chicago asked Johnny, is there a rule in the NFL that he thinks college would benefit from by adopting it? Uh, yeah, one rule, I think we've mentioned this, is their ineligible receiver downfield, and that mainly pertains to the five interior linemen. In the NFL, if they're downfield by more than one yard, it's a, it's a foul. In college, they have to be downfield by three yards. Well, it's a lot harder to see three yards than it is to see one yard. I mean, you know, you can pretty much tell, okay, he's downfield by a yard. But when you have to get into looking at it, is he's downfield by three yards and then look at the, back at the quarterback to see if he's thrown the ball and did the ball go past the line of scrimmage, uh, that's, that's probably the main one I would like to see uh, college adapt and go to just like the NFL. Yeah, you've got to take into account all five offensive linemen who could be, depending on the play, not necessarily bunched together. And you've got to you, – you literally in a millisecond have to account for all five of them in a three-yard area. Exactly. And, you know, they could be – a lot of times they're not bunched together. If the, right. if the quarterback is scrambling, you know, they're trying to follow him also and still protect him as he's scrambling. So, yeah, it's just a difficult rule. And uh, I don't agree with everything the NFL does, obviously, but I do like that one particular rule. Johnny, is that rule in place just because if you got a bunch of linemen who can get downfield and just start running, it's dangerous? Maybe they hit a DB or something? Well, there, there again, I've even talked about if they're downfield but they're not blocking or if they're not engaged with a defensive player, I really don't understand the point of the rule. It almost ought to be, okay, they can be downfield, but then – it ought to be a foul if they're blocking. If they're just standing there looking around doing nothing, I've never really understood what's the point of that rule. What 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 do they do to gain an advantage for a foul to be called on them? I've I've I've, I've kind of served that up as, as a suggestion, but uh, that that's just my own opinion. You know, because you try to you, you try to make with every foul. What's the advantage that that person gained for it to be a foul? Jim in Savannah wants to know, in your years as a line judge, was there one offensive lineman or a couple that were dominant that stand out to you that you just noticed? Well, I think we've talked about before the, the guy, his last name was Skipper. He was at Arkansas. He was, right. uh, he was, a, big, uh, he was a big guy. I don't know exactly how tall or how much, but he, he was big. He might even be playing for the Detroit Lions right now. Uh, but he was a big guy. But he was also some guy that you really thought should dominate more. He, I, I, I vividly remember uh, somebody on our crew calling a tripping foul on him. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he, did, he did dominate, but you just thought he should dominate more instead of having to revert to some of those tactics possibly. But, yeah, I mean – 
off the top top of my I don't remember when Orr was there at Ole Miss. Uh, I right. got in the league at 2001. I don't know if he was there or not. But, yeah, there's been a lot of good offensive linemen. And, and that's one thing people don't realize. Just looking on TV or looking in from the stands, these linemen, offense or defensive linemen, these guys are huge. And you don't really know it until you just ride up against them. And they, and they can move and the agility. It's really amazing uh, what they can do. Johnny, what you bring up a good point. Even if you're in the stands, if you're elevated slightly, you can't tell the athleticism of a big lineman like that. But when you're on ground level like you are, you can see just how athletic that left tackle is in a pass situation where he comes immediately, he's feet are chopping, and he's trying to defend a very athletic defensive end. That left tackle who's six seven three twenty has to have good feet. He's not a guy that's sitting there in cement. No, that's exactly right, and you can really see it there on game level because a lot of times during the play, whether it's a passing play or, uh, you know, that the tackle would be our key, the guy that we're looking at uh, a lot of times. Uh, so we focus on him before the snap, and we kind of read him, and, and he tells us kind of what the play is going to be, and then we have to adjust to the play based on, you know, what, what happens and what develops. But, yeah, those guys are big. They can move, and they're very agile for, for their size, and it's really uh, – you can't really tell, like I said, until you're down there on field level. Question here, how do they determine the accrue for Michigan, Alabama, and the Texas-Washington game? It's got to be a crew that's not affiliated with any of those leagues, right? Yeah. Well, Steve Shaw, Steve's the national coordinator of football officials. Right. Uh, he's already he's already sent out the bowl games that each conference will get, like I mentioned earlier. The SEC has five bowl games. And so the supervisor of football officials for each conference, they'll just decide what crews they want going to those games. I mean, yeah, it could be a full intact crew that officiated together all year, or it could be just individuals. Most time it's just you're rewarded as an individual and you're selected for a postseason assignment to go out in a bowl game. But, yeah, if, if it's an ACC team or a Pac-12 those two uh, conferences will not be calling that game. It's the same as I mentioned earlier that applies to the SEC. So, yeah, so, see, the SEC has not been able to call a national championship game uh, for, I don't know, 16 or 17 years. Once the Final Four are announced, and if there's an SEC team in those Final Four, those two semifinals, then we're out of the national championship game. And, of course, this year it's Alabama. So, uh, I think we got the Fiesta Bowl this year as, uh, as one of the bowl games for the SEC. But that's how that works. Steve Shaw will pick the crews for the semifinal teams, right, is what you're saying. Or you pick the league. the league. Steve Shaw will pick the league that has jurisdiction over those semifinal games, right? Exactly. Steve, Steve will like give the SEC five bowl games, the ACC five, the Big 12, five, uh, Sun Belt, maybe four. I don't know how many bowl games there are now. If it's 30-something, you, you know, each conference will get four or five bowl games until all 30 are given out. In essence, the ACC could be official. I haven't looked at the selections if they've even made them, but the ACC, for example, could be officiating the Michigan-Alabama game. Exactly, exactly. I know last year the ACC had the national championship game. So this year, the Orange Bowl, Georgia playing Florida State, it will not be an SEC crew, and it will not be an ACC crew. You know, it, it could be the Pac-12, Big Ten, or whatever. 
That's always interesting because people want to get into the politics of the the leagues, who they like, who they don't like. ACC and the SEC are both under the ESPN umbrella. You get all that kind of stuff. What do they do with what's left of the – we've still got the postseason left of the Pac-12, Johnny, and then all that goes away. I don't know where all those officials are going to go either. Do you? Are they just going to all retire or try and find a new league or what? Probably a little bit of what all of what you just said. Some of them probably will retire. Uh, some of the supervisors across the country in different conferences, they'll pick up some of those guys because uh, you still got to have officials. You know, if the, yeah. several of the teams are going to different conferences, so yeah, some of them will be uh, retained by different conferences, uh, and some of them will probably they might just fall in the situation where they're not ready to retire, but they're not picked up by another conference either. Yeah, it's it's kind of. That's one thing nobody ever talks about. It's obviously all about the schools and the teams, but the officials and the, you know, them losing their their jobs. That's never really mentioned, but that's, a, that's surely the case that could happen there for sure. The SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big Twelve are all adding teams for next year. That means the league has to go out and hire new officials, right? I mean, additional officials to the groups they have now. Correct. That's correct. I think right now the SEC has uh, obviously there's 14 teams, and there I think there's nine crews for football. Now, now keep in mind, you know, a lot of Saturdays those 14 teams are playing each other. Right. So, but yeah, we have nine crews. But yeah, they'll they'll have to add more officials on the staff for next year. Johnny, we'll stay in touch. Appreciate it, good friend. Yes, sir. Please do. Thank you, Bill. There he is, Mr. Johnny Crawford. He said, "Look, anytime." For example, over this bowl game season or the semifinals, anything comes up, he'd be glad to come on. But he is officially for the playing portion done with us for now. Then we'll bring it back next year. Mr. Johnny Crawford. Good morning. Still slow going from that earlier wreck we had on 24 eastbound just before White's Creek Pike there. Before you get into the Jolton area, aggravating all that traffic behind it that's coming in from Clarksville, uh, Robertson County as well on 24 east. Again, that crash being cleared before the Jolton exit. It's still heavy right now in Vietnam. That's going westbound at Conference Drive. All that traffic trying to get through Hendersonville and it's uh, stacked up pretty good now with heavy traffic volume on 24 west up through the Hickory Hollow area in from Rutherford County, Murfreesboro. Prince's Hot Chicken is catering during the holiday season check out their menu today just log on to princesshotchicken.com i'm commander chuck with your on-time traffic it's just a few cocktails at happy hour there aren't any cops around after every game we always have a few it's no big deal it was just a few drinks i'm good hey i can hold my liquor i drink and drive all the time If you put away some drinks, put away your keys. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Your brain is an amazing thing. But as you get older, it naturally begins to change, causing a lack of sharpness or even trouble with recall. Thankfully, the breakthrough in Prevagen helps your brain and actually improves memory. 
The secret is an ingredient originally discovered in jellyfish. Based on a clinical study of subgroups of individuals who are cognitively normal or mildly impaired, Prevagen has been shown to improve memory. A Pharmacy Times National Survey of Pharmacists rated Prevagen the number one pharmacist-recommended memory support brand for the fifth year in a row. You can find it in the vitamin aisle in stores everywhere without a prescription. Help your memory. Try Prevagen today. Prevagen. Healthier brain, better life. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Jackson Boone Racing. The youngest driver at age 19 to win the coveted Pro Late Model Series Championship at Nashville Fairground Speedway. Jackson Boone Racing. A local kid and Page High graduate who's been winning races since he was eight years old. Jackson Boone Racing. Come join Red Street Records and Roy's Meat Service along with the Boone Group, a market leader for your home financing needs. In supporting this rising star, visit JacksonBooneRacing.com to see how you can be a part of the journey and join us running up front. Jackson Boone Racing. It's a Bill King show. We created a rule decades ago on the show. Weddings, things of that nature, during the playing portion, do not get consideration. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Weddings are meant for the spring. They do not get consideration during the playing portion of the season. That's just the way we work it around here. That's the way we play it around here. Weekday mornings beginning at 6 on Sports Radio 560 on 95.9 FM. While working, he eats kale and pets a cat. Bill King is a multitasker. Mike the Mad Dog here on Twitter. He'll be at Commitments if you have not met Mike the Mad Dog. He will be there. Get to meet a lot of folks when you come to that event. His question is, regardless of what conference the officials come from, don't they all report to one main office? I'm going to try and understand that. I think I understand what you're asking. No. Now, it is true that Steve Shaw, former SEC head of officials, now the national head of officials, is the guy over everything, but each official reports to their league office. So Johnny Crawford, all those years, reported to, heck, for a while, Steve Shaw, when he was in the SEC. Now, again, he's national. I've met Steve many times in the past. Pretty nice guy. I don't necessarily agree with everything he does, but always been a reasonable guy. But you answer to your league office. If you're an ACC official, you answer to that league office. SEC, Big 12, Big Ten, what have you. That's the way that works. Yes, the big umbrella is Steve Shaw. Last time I talked to Steve Shaw was, I think, folks, this is ironic, when they implemented the targeting rule. And I had somebody from the NCAA or something call me and say, we're getting attacked about this targeting 
proposed rule, this rule that's going to go into effect. And you seem pretty reasonable, Bill. <laughs> Would you have Steve Shaw on your show? Which, yeah, 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 yeah. Again, I've had Steve on many times in the past when he was with the SEC. or Not many times, but several times in the past when he was in the Southeastern Conference. And I don't remember who this dude was, but I just remember him saying that. Me knowing that I was going to absolutely detest this rule. Now, I didn't didn't try and show up Steve Shaw or throw a kindergarten-level temper tantrum like I have from time to time over targeting. No, I didn't do that at all. But I always found that interesting because quickly all the coaches and the media – The broadcast media that are former coaches, all in some really weird, mysterious way, in lockstep, unified over that. I found it strange. There was just something kind of creepy there. I I don't know if you can sense what I sense either. Just what what was said, what kind of pact unified everybody in that ilk. Always found that odd. I don't know if I've talked to you much about that. I remember I would talk to friends, former coaches that we talk and have lively debates about various college football topics in in a friendly way, but, but either agree or disagree. And all of them agreed with that. All of them. And were not outraged by the ejection portion of it either. I just always found that odd. I know it's about protection and we want the kids to be safe and all that. I get it. I get it. But I just found it odd. It was almost like in politics, and again, this is a metaphor. I'm not trying to be literal necessarily, but it's almost like in politics, one particular side, whichever side, All is in lockstep, and you know they've been bought off, which happens all the time. Happens. It it felt like that. It it felt exactly like that. It was it was interesting. Ags and Strohs. Morning, Bill. Your thoughts on this hire by Elko? This had been trending. Colin Klein is set to join the Aggies as their offensive coordinator. I am not saying this to be nice. I love that hire. Love it. I have been a fan of his when he was a quarterback at Kansas State. I've been a fan of his as a football coach. He is a tough guy, comes from a tough guy background, well-coached. Learn to be a good coach. He is wired to do this job. I love that hire. It is, I think, an ideal Aggie fit. Tell you one thing about these Aggies and what they're going to be. We know they can get players, right? We know they have resources and all that you need. But there's going to be a new level of physicality in Aggie land. This is going to be a tough guy football team. Doesn't mean all they do is run the ball. That's not what that means. But it's going to be based on sheer brute physicality. I appreciate that. 
But Colin Klein is a fantastic hire. I love it. I love it. Sammy down in Hatton, Alabama. Bill, Blake has been hitting the shine early this morning. Goes on to say, I'd love to see Pete Golding in charge of the LSUD. Blake and Pete were together on his college football team. Pete was a coach there when Blake played. So Blake's known Pete forever. Pete Golding. He says, I'll give it to Pete in recruiting, but that's his only plus. You know what is also interesting about that? Alabama fans are elated that he's gone. Same with Bill O'Brien. But Ole Miss fans are absolutely elated they have Pete Golden. They are. Clay just reminded me that Sean Spencer, who just got fired at Florida, but was at Vanderbilt years ago with James Franklin, then Penn State, very stops, is also there. Yes, yes, he is. He's there. He's, a, he's, he's an Aggie. All right, here's what we'll do. We'll take the break. Coming right back. Omni Nashville Hotel. Good morning. We're still looking at this accident with injuries out here on the west side near Bellevue. It's 40 eastbound near Charlotte Pike. It's got traffic really slow between OHB and Charlotte Pike on 40 eastbound coming in from the west side of town. Keep that in mind if you're coming in from Dixon County. You'll hit this wall of traffic. It's still busy over here on 40 westbound at Donaldson Pike. All that traffic trying to get through Hermitage, Donaldson, and 24 is still loaded up pretty good coming in from Rutherford County up through the Hickory Hollow area on 24 west. Prince's Hot Chicken is catering during the holiday season. Check out their website at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Do you want to work at the OG of Hot Chicken, Princess Hot Chicken Tanker? Outlet Mall, 4060 Cane Ridge Parkway, Suite 102 in Antioch. Princess is looking for fun, energetic, and friendly smiling faces as food runners and cashiers. They're also looking to create an amazing culinary team to carry on the Princess tradition. Interested in working in a great environment with great hourly wages? Submit a resume to princesshotchickenafh at gmail.com or fill out an application on the Princess Hot Chicken website. That's princesshotchicken.com. PrincessHotChicken.com In Tennessee, 967,430 people struggle with hunger and 295,570 of them are children. That's one in seven who struggle with hunger and one in five are children. People who are hungry are not necessarily living on the streets. They may be in your child's classroom, in your neighborhood, or just down the street. In addition, many of these people live in food deserts, which are areas more than 10 miles from the nearest grocery store. Often there are limited resources to get food and the only option is fast food or convenience markets. While processed food may help with hunger pangs, it provides little to no nutrition. What began in 2008 as a dream to buy land, grow food, and give it away has recently developed into a way to serve and impact more individuals in the community. God has blessed our mission to be a healthy food source to those in need so much, By Faith Farm had to create a nonprofit to continue meeting the need in the community on a larger scale. Visit ByFaithFarm.com to get involved. That's ByFaithFarm.com. Oh, oh, uh, open that one. It's for me. Holiday instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Best gift ever. Wait, these tickets are already scratched. Yeah, it was me. I was just so excited. But look, we won! 
Tis the season for epic cash prizes. This year, give the most winning gift of all. Holiday instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Oh, what game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. It's the McFarlane Show with Darren McFarlane and Fox 17's Justin McFarlane. I believe this franchise right now, unfortunately, is paying for the sins of a lot of bad draft picks and, and bad signings. You can only dodge that for so long. Would you think about going back-to-back years with your first-round pick and get nothing? Nothing. That's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. It's just this. The McFarlane Show with Darren and Justin on Nashville Sports Radio WNSR. Music City Todd approved. The Bill King Show. at all to a good conspiracy theory on the show. So let's go there. You ready? Just business in Hoover, Alabama. Bill, is Steve Shaw from Texas, Steve Shaw, the national head of officials for football. Bill, is Steve Shaw from Texas. Are you ready, folks? Are you ready? Again, head of officials nationally. Before that, he was the head of the SEC officiating crews. Oh, and there for a while, he actually was the head of two different leagues. He was the head of the Sun Belt for a little while. SEC and the Sun Belt simultaneously. Don't know if you knew that. Steve Shaw, let's go back. Head of officials now nationally. Is he from Texas, Bill? He is from a place that starts with a T, Tuscaloosa. (laughs) Steve Shaw went to Alabama. (laughs) I'm not just, I'm not just making this up. I don't know how many people know that. Now he's Steve Shaw, who graduated from Alabama. And then I think immediately started officiating like Johnny did high schools, whatever he could get, worked his way up to officiating in the SEC. And then about 15 years ago, went into the front office side of everything. And I believe around 2010, 2011, somewhere in there got hired, got elevated as the head of SEC officials. And then 2020 got hired as the head of all officials in college football, meaning D1. Yeah, Steve Shaw. Steve Shaw is from T-Town, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So when all these years something would happen in a game and somebody says, yeah, I think Birmingham must have gotten a call. Birmingham called that one in, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now the national head of officials. He's not the new national head of officials, but he is a T-Town guy. 
Steve Shaw. You think you think Steve called the committee and said, "Hey, I know I'm not on the committee, but I am the head of all officials. Alabama needs to be in that Final Four. You think that happened? <laughs> Little conspiracy theory there. And just you know, I'm not opposed to it. Sammy in Hatton, Alabama, just a little bit north of where Just Business is. Bill, good grief. Can you imagine the travel for B1G officials in the future? Yep. Let's say Piscataway, New Jersey to Eugene, Oregon. What's that look like? Let's say College Park, Maryland to Seattle. How's that going to work? How are you going to work that out? Well, they're going to do it. They'll, they pay you, man. They pay you for your travel and your expenses and your work and all that. It'll be it'll be fine. They don't get rich off of it, but they make good money. Yeah, they do well. Tom in Myrtle Beach. And he's talking about Pat McAfee, apparently on... Stephen A. Smith's TV show or one of those morning shows, one of those screaming shows they have on ESPN. Mention how the theory is Pollock got fired, David Pollock, to bring him in. A lot of people got fired to accommodate his massive salary, which is probably somewhat true. But he said something to the effect of to heck with Georgia fans, or I don't know what he said. I, I, I've seen it. Well, no, no, no. I've seen people talking about it on Twitter. I haven't listened to the full clip. Tom says he should get a balls of steel, though. They were giving him shite because the network fired Pollock. He didn't fire Pollock. ESPN did. I would have told those leg <laughs> bleepers to bleep, 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 bleep. They love McAfee, man. I I don't uh, get to see much of him. I know he has a daily show now on ESPN, and he's on game day, and he's he's everywhere, and he's really, I mean, he's incredibly popular. You got to remember, ESPN is looking at this, that youthful demographic, that young demographic, and he is absolutely ideal as a fit for that marketing demographic where you can sell confiscatory ad rates. That's what they're looking at. That's what they want. Now, Pollock, also a youthful look. It's not like David Pollock is old. Pollock, what what is Pollock now? Would he be in his early 40s? Maybe. But Pollock is incredible shape. I mean, David Pollock, I've known David for probably 10 years. He's in this guy is a workout freak. I mean, but he's not risque. Pollock's not going to get out there and uh, stir it up. He's going to be a lot more conservative. McAfee is out there just raising all kinds of bleed. And that's what they want. It fits that marketing ad rate demographic perfectly. That's why they're paying. What are they paying McAfee? 15, 20 million a year or something? All right, hour three coming up. Omni Nashville Hotel.